Hey everybody, what's happening? Everybody good? Everybody feeling okay? Getting the summer started off on the right foot? Well, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well and thank you for taking a few minutes to download and of course listen to this latest edition of the J Reels podcast. Of course, I am your host, J Reels, and whether this is your first time, welcome, which I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have me entertain and of course inform you of what's going on in the world of sports. And for those who have been to this rodeo more than once, welcome back. Today I got chock full of sports. A lot of it's going to be baseball, of course, since we're now in the teeth of the summer season where it's pretty much the only sport standing. I understand World Cup and obviously a lot of other things that we'll get to along the way. But this podcast is your one-stop shopping for anything related to what's going on in the world of the diamond, the gridiron, the ice, the hardwood, tennis court, golf course, racetrack, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J-Rolls podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. So before we get to the NBA free agency, which is going to take place six days from now on July 1st, as well as the NHL free agency and around here in these parts, John Tavares, New York Islanders, is he going to head north to Toronto near where he's from, or will he stay put considering all the moves that the Islanders have made here in the last two weeks, whether it's your new GM and Vice President of Hockey Operations, Lou Lamorello, and the newly minted Stanley Cup champion, formerly of the Washington Capitals coach, Barry Trotz, now in the mix. Does that mean or is that enough for John Tavares to stay on the island or Brooklyn, wherever you want to call it? We'll talk about that later on. But first, let me just take a deep breath. Because over the next, I'm going to try to keep this to a concise 20 minutes. Maybe a little bit less because I certainly don't want to bore you to tears. We have to start off with the disaster that is in Flushing. And I know a couple weeks ago I had my City of the Walking Dead. Thought it was the low point of the season in reference to the New York Mets. But it seems as if not just every week, every day, there happens to be another low point, another rock bottom. Right now you become so immune to it that when you think this is the worst, believe it or not, it can actually get worse than this. So before we get to the main reason why I want to vent about this team, and I touched on it a couple weeks ago in that podcast. If you haven't listened to it, of course, feel free to go back. It was two episodes ago. I believe it was episode 13. But let's uh, just start with some uh, factual numbers here before we uh, get into my rant. 31-44 and is the record. They're now a game and a half ahead of Miami. For last place in the National League East. That's right, last place. They've lost six in a row, 13 of 15 at home. They have been the the only team in Major League history, the fastest team to go from 10 games over 500 to 10 games under 500. That 11-1 start, I remember on the podcast that I had with Scott and Jerome, the 2018 Met preview, I said that this team has to get off to a fast start. I'm throwing that out the window from now until as long as I'm going to be on this planet because fast starts mean nothing. And as evidenced by that 11 and one start, and I should have known better. And last week when I got on the air, I'd said to you guys that they weren't going to reel me in considering they had that miraculous ninth inning comeback in Arizona. Followed that up by Jacob DeGrom in Colorado, finally getting some run support and winning a 12-2 rocking chair laugher. And even at three in a row, I looked at that and said, well, they still have three more games in Colorado. And we all know that place is a pinball machine when it comes to scoring runs. 
And the Mets did score runs the rest of that trip, but obviously they got outscored in all those three games. And, of course, they got outscored in the first three games at home against the Dodgers, who they can't seem to beat ever since the 2015 playoffs as they've now lost 12 games in a row to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So those are just some of the numbers. And now to get to some off-the-field stuff, it was so bad that yesterday Jason Vargas had to be put on the DL because he was running sprints in the outfield in Colorado where he, I guess, hurt his hammy or something with his legs where he couldn't even start yesterday. So what did they do? They started Jerry Blevins. That's right, Jerry Blevins, the left-handed relief specialist who has been anything but this year, as lefties are hitting somewhere in the vicinity of 360. He starts, and what does he do? First two batters of the game, go yard on him. And then he's cracking jokes in the postgame talking about, oh, I was hoping that maybe Dom Smith would rob one of those home runs. All right, Jerry, I understand you're trying to, you know, shed some light or shed some humor on a – you know, disastrous season and it's certainly a disastrous last couple of months. But let's face it, this team is nothing but a laughing stock. They're a joke. How can you go from eleven and one and since then be twenty and forty three? You're literally the worst team in baseball after the first twelve games of the season. That's right, you're worse than the Reds, worse than the Orioles who came in and swept you when you only scored one run in the two games. And the aforementioned Marlins, who a lot of people thought after them trading off Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, and Kristen Yelich, of course, D. Gordon on top of that, you know, four bona fide all-star caliber players. Trade them away, and they, a lot of people thought they were going to lose 110 games. Well, guess what? They are now plummeting so fast that by this time next week, they could be cell dwellers. Because the Mets go to Miami next weekend for three games. And I understand Jacob DeGrom starting Friday night. So that may be a beacon of hope for them not to get swept next weekend. But what makes you think that come before July 4th that they may be in last place? That's how bad it's gotten. And on top of that, when you have a guy that they had to bring up in Chris Flexen, who let's face it, I mean, he's a foray pitcher at best that they had to summon from Las Vegas where he arrives in New York yesterday morning at 7 a.m. Literally 10 hours later, is on the mound in an 11-inning game and gives up the game-winning home run to uh, Justin Turner, former Met, of course, and let's not even go there because I know a lot of the Met fans are going to start griping about, oh, we should have kept him, so on and so forth. Right, I understand that, but despite the fact he wasn't that player in New York, there he goes to L.A. and he flourishes to become an all-star caliber player. Be that as it may, but the point of the matter is is that they have to bring up Flexen, unless they bring out, because remember, they're in Vegas, is a disgrace in its own right. Why can't this organization have a team that's minor league affiliate is within an hour or tops, an hour and a half flight from New York? Remember, they were in Tidewater all those years back in the 80s and early 90s, and of course Norfolk, and then they went down to New Orleans, which you're thinking, all right, so they're in New Orleans. All right, so they're in a different time zone, but at least they're in the South. And now, for the last few years, they've been in Vegas. As I've kidded on the podcast several times, what's next? They're going to be in Alaska? Oh, let me, no, no, better yet. They can't play in Alaska because it's too cold. All right, so now they're going to move from Vegas, and I'm sure that their farm team is going to be somewhere in Oahu. Probably going to be like the Honolulu, whatever you want to call them, you know, the Rainbows. And that's going to be the Mets AAA 
farm team in probably 2021. Yeah, Hawaii wouldn't be too bad, right? At least it's warm. You don't have to worry about the hot or the thin air in Vegas. So to play out in Honolulu from 2021 for the next 10 years, and when they have to shuttle a guy, you know, they're going to have to pretty much no such thing as a Concord for those who, you know, the previous generation is well aware of what the Concords are, but you can't get that, you know, quick flight from Honolulu to uh, Flushing to get players, you know, shuttling in and out of the lineup. I think that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? It's just day after day after day, these are things that you just can't make up. You can't. And as frustrating as it is for a fan like myself who's been a lifelong fan, and people tease me all the time, Jay Reels, why don't you just become a Yankee fan, come to the dark side? You're mostly invested in this team for your life. Sorry, you just can't shut the switch off and turn it on. I would love to. I would love to take that part of my brain and just say, you know what, the heck with this. I'm just going to root for another team and jump on their bandwagon and away we go. Doesn't work that way. And one last thing before I get to the main reasons why I'm talking about the Mets. I think it's time, and it's funny, I got to give credit to an old dear friend, John Irving. He said it best when the Yankees, and he's a lifelong Yankee fan, he said it best when the new Yankee Stadium was built right across the street, and obviously he wasn't in favor of it, he wasn't in favor of the, the new stadium, doesn't like it at all. But what he thinks is that, hey, if I'm alive and lucky enough to, to be here in 40 years, maybe they could rebuild Yankee Stadium where it originally was and knock down the new one, which of course was opened in 2009. Well, you know what? I'm starting to think that maybe, just maybe, they should start erecting a new Shea Stadium in the parking lot where they actually had it and then knock down City Field. And not to say that Shea Stadium was you know, had a ton of winning seasons and a ton of winning memories. I mean, hey, listen, uh, of course, everybody's going to remember 69, the amazing Mets. Everybody's going to remember 86. I get that. You know, 73 when they won a pennant there. Uh, You know, there's at least a little longer list. Now, I understand City Field has only been open 10 years, where Shea Stadium was open, what was it, uh, 44 years, whatever it was. But my point is, is that they can't win in the stadium. They could barely score in the stadium, let alone win. And it just seems that as this year continues to unfold and as this team plays in this building, it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. They gave up seven home runs in a game yesterday to the Dodgers. Seven. And they lost eight to seven. Only the Mets. Only the Mets. At least at Chase Stadium. Remember that Subway Series game back in 99 where the Mets gave up six home runs to the Yankees? And that was the famous Matt Franco bottom of the ninth uh, two-run single off of Mariano Rivera. And they won, was it 9-8? The Yankees hit six home runs that day. But guess what? They ended up winning. And here it is yesterday, seven home runs. And they only give up eight runs and still lose. It was miraculous that they scored seven runs considering that the Mets' offense is from famine. But it just goes to show you, I don't want to say the luck of this team because there's no luck because all the luck is bad. But all right, enough of that. Let me just cut to the chase and get to the nuts and bolts because it seems like every other week it's a Met Vent podcast. And although it's a big fabric of what's going on here, especially locally, but at the same time, I don't want it to be a thing where I'm going to harbor over the same issues over and over and over again. So I'm going to cut right to the chase. And although I mentioned this 
in the episode a couple podcasts ago, but now I'm going to get to the teeth of it, and it's just revolves around two people. And I'm going to just keep it at that. I'm not going to get into Mickey Calloway. That's a story for another day. The two people that are involved here, first and foremost, is Sandy F. Alderson. And I don't know if he has a middle name, and I don't even know if that's his middle initial, but you get what the F stands for. It is time for this man to exit stage right, as I like to say, on this program. He has done nothing in the last two years to shore up this team by any stretch of the imagination. I know Drew Smith gets called up. That was the kid that was in the trade for Lucas Duda last year. And again, he just got here, so you know he can't get crazy about what he's done. I know he, the other night he pitched, uh, I don't even know if he pitched yesterday. I'm sure he did in the game against the Dodgers. But I know Saturday he pitched a, uh, an inning that he didn't even give up a run, so that's a good thing. I think he walked a batter. But Sandy Alderson, who has absolutely done zero, squat, nothing, and my man Jerome, which I'm hoping to get Scott and Jerome on the podcast, we were arguing back and forth Friday night until the cows come home. And that's going to be a podcast that's – I don't even know what's going to happen. There they may actually be blows when it comes to that. And I'm hoping to record that right after or around the All-Star break. But Jerome comes out and talks about how – well, Sandy Alderson, look what he's done. You know, he's brought, in, brought a pennant and a wild card team. has done a lot more than what Omar did when Omar was at the helm. And remember, Omar's still in the organization. And – I understand that that is true. But at the same time, with a $150 million payroll, with him going to the bottom of the clearance bin, picking up guys like Anthony Swarzak, who's just been god-awful. I think he gave up whatever it was, six home runs last year. He's already given up six this year. And remember, he was out for two months. You know, Todd Frazier, you still have another year with that contract. Why couldn't you sign him to one year? Why can you sign Anthony Swarzak to one year? Jason Vargas, do I even need to go there with Jason Vargas? That I'm just going to leave. That that his name just speaks for itself. I understand you're going to bring in a guy, low risk, high reward with Adrian Gonzalez. Where is he today? I understand five hundred thousand dollars, whatever. But I mean, seriously, really? Jose Bautista. I understand he's produced here in the last week, and you know it's not his fault. I'm not going to pin it all on him. But again, going to the scrap heap to try to find these guys. I'm surprised they haven't even signed Hanley Ramirez yet. When is that happening? Is that going to happen anytime soon? I mean, you would think, right? Not only that, what gets lost in all this is last year when he talked about, oh, we have catchers in Travis Darno and Kevin Ploiecki. Now, mind you, Ploiecki actually produced yesterday, had the game-tying home run in that crazy game. But Ploiecki's not a major league player. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he's also been hurt, but since he's been back, he hasn't really done anything other than yesterday. Yeah, what, a few hits here and there, but please. And I'm not trying to say the guy has to be Johnny Bench, but you know, you got to get some production out of the catching position. You know, I'm tired of seeing 190 hitters in the lineup as it is to begin with, but please, you know, can we do something other than, you know, not throwing runners out and, you know, at least try to get on base and try to get some key hits? And again, that, yesterday notwithstanding, I understand that. But still, it has been an absolute atrocity. And then he wants to bring in guys like Thomas Nito or, you know, Tomas Nito and Jose Lobatone. Thankfully, he got something for Matt Harvey and Devin Mesoraco because if that's the case, I mean, please, they might as well have me catching behind the plate. And then the other thing was with Sandy, too. It took until just last week that they finally, finally 
Got rid of Hansel Robles. You know, what was it about this guy that they just couldn't let go? And great, I understand. Oh, we don't have any other options. Well, guess what? Any option is better than Robles at this point. We see what he's all about. As now the Anaheim Angel fan is finding out, as yesterday he comes to the game and he gives up a home run to Kendrick Morales. You know, pointing to the sky, oh, it's a pop-up. You know, yeah, it's a pop-up. It's, you know, 400 feet out of the ballpark. So, Sandy, listen, I'm nothing against the man, period. You know, we understand he's had to overcome some illnesses and he's, you know, had to fight through that. And we understand that he's, you know, nothing personally against the man. But professionally, the time has come, man. He's got to go. And everything that I just read off in the bullpen, please, what has he done with this bullpen? And I understand the other night in this text exchange I had with Jerome, I mentioned Greg Holland. And Holland's had an awful year. I mean, his ERA is you know almost eight. But guess what? He's only signed to a one-year deal. Not Schwarzak. Well, you got to see his face for not only the rest of this year, but you got to see him next year. And you're not going to get anything for him. And that's my point. This is where Alderson has to go. And the sad part is, is that a couple weeks ago in listening to my guy Evan Roberts, you know, with uh, Joe on the midday show on WFN here in New York, about how I have to hear that the Wilpons love Sandy and there's no way they're going to part with his contract. Now, I believe he still has another year left after this year. I don't think it's two years. And if it's two years, oh, geez, two more years of this. So he has the rest of this year and I believe next year. So if the Wilpons are enamored with this man and they have the what I like to call the James Dolan syndrome, you know, a la Glenn Sather, Isaiah Thomas, you know, he just stays loyal to these guys, that, you know, I'm going to have to deal with this for another year and a half, and God forbid if they resign him past that. I mean, when is it going to stop? Which is now I'm going to segue to Jeff Wilpon. Now, I understand, and I said this a couple weeks ago, as far as baseball is different than football, I get it, or even basketball to that regard, where you're not going to have that owner that's always going to be, you know, sitting behind the dugout. You know, I understand George Steinbrenner was like that, but he's George Steinbrenner and they won. So, you know what, he could, he could sit in the dugout for all that, you know, for all I care. My point is, is that the Jerry Jones slash Mark Cubans of the world, it's good that he's doesn't have his puppet strings on his manager and the rest of the team. Because obviously you, you, you can't get a quote from him if you, you know, put him at gunpoint. And that's right, I did say that. Because this fan base that is not just angry, not just bitter, not just disappointed, they are beyond that. And I'm one of them. And just like all of my other Met buddies are just sick and tired. And now they're the butt of all jokes. And forget about the Yankees. I'm not going to put them in the mix here because a lot of people, you know, oh, look at the Yankee fans laughing. Forget about them. Because to me, I never worry about the Yankees. The only time I worry about the Yankees, people, in all honesty, the only time I worry about them is in October. And as long as in one series where they lose one game, three games, or four games in one series, and more importantly, do not record the last out of any baseball season, I can sleep peacefully during the winter. Besides that, I could care less about them. So let them win all their games now. Let them, you know, break records with the home runs, whatever. As long as they don't record that last out of a baseball season, I'm perfectly fine. But with the Mets here and with the Wilpons, just take a page. Go across the river. John Mara. What happened with the whole Ben McAdoo fiasco of last year when he put in Geno Smith to end Eli Manning's streak of consecutive games starting at quarterback. 
What happened? Not only did he get dismissed, but John Mara stepped to the podium to say, hey, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Words were exchanged. I understand. They, you know, I had my input. There was miscommunication. Bottom line, he owned up to it. Accountability, which is something that Jeff Wilpon does not have. And I got news for you, Jeff. You need to start making yourself accountable. Nobody says you have to be in front of a microphone every five minutes. Nobody says that you have to, you know, be in a microphone every five days or every week or whatever. We don't need to stay to the union every month or every day. I get that. That's fine. In fact, we don't want that. But you know what we do want is we want you to step to the forefront as the owner, underlined, owner of this franchise, to say this has been unacceptable. It starts with me. It trickles all the way down. And if and when that day does come that he lets Sandy Olsen go, which the chances are it's probably not going to happen, but if and when that day does come, can you at least look at your fan base, look into the camera and say, I screwed up. There has to be a change. This can't go on any longer. I have to bring in the right people. We have to bring in the right players as a team. We need to compete. We went to a World Series two years ago. Might as well have been two decades ago, that World Series. I didn't even remember. Who do we play? What happened? Uh, was there a World Series in Queens in 2015? I don't remember that. Yes, this is where he needs to stand up because this organization has become a disgrace. We all know that the team is a disgrace. And what's next? You know, they're going to end up losing, getting swept by the Marlins this weekend, and then they're going to be the last place, and then they're going to look around and say, well, hey, you know, we're, we're trying, we're scrapping. You know, it's not about the record, as the manager says, but I'm not trying to make it about him because, to me, it's about these two people. It's about Sandy and it's about Jeff Wilpon even more so. And, yes, when John Mara stepped to the podium and even talks about Oda Beckham with the contract situation, even he, not even the GM, who's now Dave Gettleman, but even prior to that, of course, Jerry Reese, John Mara comes out and he says, all right, hit me. What do you, what do you got? A- ask the questions, I'm going to answer them. And he does. And it's no BS and there's no sugarcoating, and a word that my friend Rob, I love, no pussyfooting either. I know it sounds a little dirty, but you know what? Guess what? Let's call it as we see it. I'm tired of this organization just not caring. And that's what it looks like from afar. They don't care. And I don't want to hear that, oh, well, they don't like to speak to the media. Or, oh, you know, that's just how the Wilpons are. They've always, Well, guess what? If you're that adamant about not speaking to the media and you want Sandy to be the guy that's going to answer all the questions, and as it is, Sandy doesn't ask, ask, answer the hard questions as it is. He passed that down to John Rico, which I'm afraid that the Wilpons, if they do let go of Sandy Olson, John Rico's going to be the GM, and it's going to be the same nonsense that we've had for the last 18 months. But Sandy, he's got to go. And Jeff, if you can't, See what the hell is going on with your ball club. The fans. That ballpark is going to be empty. Forget about September. Forget about August. That ballpark is going to be empty tonight when the Pirates come to town. Yeah, you're going to announce it. Oh, we had 23,000. Please, it's going to look like 2,300. And see, and that's going to be the bad thing about this because how I'm going to predict this, I'd Sandy, I could see it. Maybe after the season. Or God forbid he goes through another health scare where he may step down. But that's what's going to happen. Because there's no way that the Wilpons, Jeff in particular, is going to have the testicular fortitude to look 
Sandy in the eye and said, listen, things have really gone bad here. I understand that some of these signings you made have not panned out. We still have another year with the Swarzaks and the Vargases of the world and the Todd Frazier's of the world. They can't man up to say, you know what, Sandy, we have to go in a different direction. Thank you for everything. Goodbye. I mean, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? You know, it's almost as if they feel scared that, oh, geez, you know, Sandy you know, brought us a World Series three years ago and went to, or brought us to a World Series, excuse me, not a World Series, brought us to a World Series and to a wild card game that all of our baseball appetites have been satiated. Give me a break. Sell the team, and that's, that's going to be it. Sell the team, Jeff Wilpon, if you don't care, if you don't want to face the media, if you don't want to hold yourself accountable for the deplorability of what you've done, not only to this franchise, but to this fan base who have been starving. All they want is a competitive team. You know, and I know 11-1 and one wasn't going to last forever. I mean, please, I, look for any post on my social media, J Reels on Instagram, uh, J, uh, J Reels Podcast, or even you know, my name, Jason Nazario, on Facebook. And on Twitter, never once in that 11-1 start was I doing backflips, somersaults, going crazy. Oh, my God, this is going to be a special year. None of that. Please. I've seen this movie a zillion times. And you can look at it through all my teams. Until that team records the last out or that team has one point more when the clock strikes zero, that's when I celebrate. Because I don't celebrate victories. I don't celebrate sweeps. I don't celebrate Division championships. I don't celebrate conference champions. I celebrate banners. And even if the Celtics would have won that game seven against Cleveland and would have played Golden State, I would have said, woohoo, there goes your Eastern Conference champ. No. I would have said, like the great Howie Rose once said, they have one more mountain to climb. And instead of Mount Stanley, it would have been Mount Larry O'Brien. That would have been it. One more mountain to climb. We haven't won anything. And as a fan, that's how you got to look at it. Because regular season wins don't matter. Playoff wins matter. But all that matters is getting that final out of the World Series. Or having one point more in a Super Bowl. Or in an NBA final. Or Stanley Cup. More and more gold. That's all that matters. All the other stuff, I don't care. Puff your chest out. Get crazy. That's why I don't bother with the Yankee fan. I don't let them get to me. And you know who you are. The Louis Pizarros. The Rafael Torres of the world. You know, they get on my case, they, you know, troll and say, oh, look at a match ball. You know, please. Doesn't matter to me. But anyway, I digress. My apologies. But this is the life of a Met fan. And like I said, Sandy's not going to get terminated. And not that you want to see a guy get fired, but let's face it. The track record the last two years has been awful. I'm sorry. And we all know, and one last thing on Sandy, we all know that people can say, oh, well, he did – Resign Yoannis, and obviously where Yoannis has been, you know, where is he? Is he in Port St. Lucie? Is he in New York? Is, is he, you know, I know he's alive, but you know what I'm saying, people. But even going back to 2015 when he traded for him, he wasn't number one on the list. And he knew he had to resign him because the fan base just would have probably burned the place down. Which would have been a good thing because then he could have built a new stadium there in the Shea Stadium parking lot. You know, the old Shea Stadium. That would have been great. But he had to resign him after what he did in 2015. Pretty much played MVP baseball for two and a half months. So, if you're going to look at this team, the way it's constructed, and not be able to 
say that this team needs overhaul, then obviously you're not paying attention. And I'm not going to get into who they should trade right now. I, as we get close to the deadline, I'm going to save it for then. You know, the whole, oh, trade Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard. You could try to, you know, get something for Drupal Cabrera. Uh, no, I'm saving that for then. To me, this is all about Sandy Olsen needing to go and about Jeff Wilpon needing to wake up. And all right, who am I? I'm just this, you know, measly guy who does a podcast every week. But you know what? I'm sure a lot of Met fans are behind me and the things that I've said to this point and – there's a legion of Met fans that are just starving, that are hoping, that are wondering, when is this franchise going to change its face from an ugly one to a pretty one? And again, where does it start? At the top. Jeff Wilpon. Wake up. As for the Yankees, you know, they get swept in Tampa, which is a surprise, but you know what? It happens. You know, you can't win every series, can't win every game, even though the Yankees at one point I thought they were going to go, what is it, 142-20, and 20, but that's not going to be the case. Uh, but an interesting week for them because then they go to Philadelphia this week and they'll face Jake Arrieta tomorrow against Luis Severino. That's going to be a good matchup. And then this weekend i got the Red Sox coming in. But right now I know a lot of the focus is on Gary Sanchez with his groin, you know, trying to beat out a double play ball in yesterday's game. And like I said last week, to me he's the one guy that – you wonder about, considering he's still a productive and a dangerous hitter, we know that, but him batting 198 and his defense at the plate is just deplor- it's just atrocious. I mean, let's call it as we see it. And I just wonder where, I don't know if it's a lapse or he's just in, he floats in and out of these games or his concentration level's off or I also want to attribute to him having a soft body. Now people say, please, Jerry Reels, come on, what is he has to be uh, – you know, a Greek guy behind the plate? No, but we all know catching is a rigorous job. I mean, and now we're going to get finally into the dog days of summer. We're going to get some hot weather. We've gotten some warm weather here recently, but for this Yankee Red Sox series this coming weekend, it's going to be, you know, 90 each day. I understand he's not going to play. He's probably going to go to the DL, but my point is is that you kind of wonder if he's not putting a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus on nutrition or training or whatever it may be. All right, I understand he hit balls, you know, 450 feet, but, yeah, you could be strong, but that doesn't mean you're in shape. And that's why I wonder if the malaise that he's had at the plate this year has also affected his catching. Because even though he was still a terrible catcher last year when he was hitting 33 home runs and batting 280, I get that. But at the same time, now he's even taken a step back as far as him batting 190. And what is his slugging and on base? Is, is, uh, it's for Gary Sanchez. This is a guy who hit 20 home runs in like 50 games. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's batting 190 and his on base is like 280. But here's the thing about the Yankees. You could lose Gary Sanchez for the rest of the year. Guess what? They're not going to miss a beat, at least offensively. Because they've got a million players in that lineup, and I don't need to go through the list. You know who the guys are. Can you imagine? If Gary Sanchez is on the Mets and he's gone, <laughs> might as well just – Pack up and leave and call it a season, as it already is for the Mets here on June 25th, 2018, in the year of our Lord. But that's all he really that's left. You know, when you talk about the Yankees, because again, so you get swept by the Rays. You're not going to get crazy. I know I wouldn't. Does it look good? Of course not. But the Rays, you know, they're not the worst team in the league. You know, you'd have a story if the Mets swept them, and I could say, all right, well, now you got a story. But 
the Yankees will be fine. To me, Sanchez, that's just a blip on the radar. You kind of wonder how long he's going to be out with this groin. But besides that, what else is there to report? You want to talk about, again, no, well, they still need another starting pitcher? Well, we got plenty of time to discuss that between now and July 31st. And I got the Red Sox coming in this weekend, which is going to be, you know, hotly contested. And the Red Sox, although they're both tied for first, but the Yankees have percentage points above them. And also, off the top of my head, I think they have two games in hand as far as, uh, well, four games in hand, but two in a loss that they're ahead of the Red Sox. So we'll certainly keep our eyes close on that. And uh, other than the Yankees, I mean, really, there isn't anything else to report. Because how I look at it is that if you're 50 and 25 and in first place, and yes, I understand you have your injuries there, whether it's you know Jordan Montgomery for Tommy John surgery, the situation here with Sanchez and anybody else, you know, Ellsbury, please, you're not going to worry about Ellsbury. Uh, things are fine. Now, the only thing is, is if you're a Yankee fan, you only have to go. You ready for this? Let me do the math real quick. You only have to go 75 and 25 over your next 100 games to match the 98 Yankees of 125 and 50. So, uh, obviously, very lofty goals because I know a lot of people want to compare this 2018 team to the 98 team as far as just the record pace that they're going at. But got slowed down a little bit over the weekend. But of course, they'll be certainly fine moving forward. And uh, interesting set of games this week as they again go to Philly and then play the Red Sox over the weekend at Yankee Stadium. Uh, a couple of quickies before I uh, say goodbye. Uh, let's start off with the uh, NBA as uh, free agency. That's six days away. I know outside of New York, LeBron James, he has uh, come out and stated that, uh, you know, through sources, that he doesn't want a recruiting circus when he officially becomes a free agent on Sunday, July 1st. So, obviously, all those people who have the packages, the rings, whatever it is that they want to present to LeBron uh, at the table – to have a meeting and propose whatever it is that they want to do to recruit him to their team. He's saying he's back. I I think he's already made up his mind what it is. Who knows? I know I said Cleveland last week or whatever it was. I'm still going to go with that. I understand the likelihood of him going to L.A. seems pretty high right now based on what you hear. But, again, it's all what you hear, you know. You just can't look at it and just think automatically, oh, yeah, he's going to L.A. Well, we know maybe he ends up in Philadelphia. Remains to be seen. That's what's going to be fascinating because he'll be the first domino to go. And the Kawhi Leonard, there was a meeting last week with Greg Popovich somewhere, I believe, in San Diego. And they're staunch. Oh, we're not going to trade him. Which is a game of chicken. And they're going to try to work things out. Now, they have him for another year before he wants to head out of town and test those free agent waters. But I think it would be good for Kawhi for him to just go back to San Diego, uh, sorry, San Antonio, just shut up, go back, work his tail off, have a killer season, and then you could go out and choose your team or whatever it may be, get your money, and that's that. Because he's coming off, as I said last week on the podcast, he's coming off a season where he only played nine games, was nowhere to be found, I understand there was that rift, you know, Tony Parker saying, making comments about him. And I even had Bruce Bowen, the former Spur who won three titles under Greg Popovich, who now I think is a commentator for the L.A. Clippers, coming out saying, are you kidding me? Like, Kawhi, really? And he has every right. I understand Bruce Bowen is not an all-time great player. Maybe not even an all-time great Spur, although he did have very productive seasons as a 
defensive stopper, and he hit that three from the corner all the time. But the guy does have rings, and the guy was on great teams. So you know what? Hey, you know, he wasn't the 12th man on the team. So he's certainly saying something by kind of opening up Kawhi's eyes and say, listen, buddy, we understand you're a great player. You've been first team twice, but based off this last year, you just need to pipe down, get your act together, get that quad 100% and have a killer 2018-19 season. And then, you know, you want to talk about where you want to go or what your plans are, then go right ahead. Until then, don't say a word. And I agree. As far as the draft is concerned, the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks fans are hot stuff. They're going to boo this kid from Kentucky, Kevin Knox, as I understand one of Michael Porter Jr., but did they have a clue that this kid had a back injury and didn't play the whole year because of it? So, right, so you're going to go based on his potential, his size, everything, who a lot of people thought would have been the number one pick this time last year, but that's not the case. You know, would you rather have a guy that's going to be a steady NBA player, good, maybe even borderline all-star. And I think if you're a Knicks fan, you take borderline all-star to be productive than to have a guy that's going to jump to the roof, who's going to have flashes, but is always on the shelf and always hurt. And then, of course, you're going to second-guess then, like you're second-guessing now, to think, oh, we should have drafted this guy. I can't believe it. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, when the guy plays five games a year, then you're like, oh, we should have drafted Kevin Knox. Oh, why did we draft this guy? Come on, people. I mean, please. This is the thing about New York fans. They're so much of a front runner. And I understand the Knicks fan is just like the Met fan. Dying for a winner. Dying to be relevant. Dying for just any type of success. I get it. But you just can't think that, oh, let's just get this guy, knowing that he has a terrible history with injuries, and particularly the back. You know, it's not like I had an arm or... Dennis Smith Jr. last year, a lot of people thought the Knicks were going to draft him. The knee, and knees are very tricky. We all know the NBA, you need your legs. Get that. You know, so knees and backs are dangerous when it comes to any sport, but especially in the NBA. But you would think that would have been enough information for the fan to say, damn, I would have liked Porter, but you know what? Hey, we got a guy that's going to be solid. He comes from a good program, Calipari, et cetera. No, of course not. Right out the window. And I know Knox and Porzingis had gotten together to kind of discuss about the whole booing situation because as you know they booed Porzingis when they drafted him three years ago and we see how that turned out minus the ACL injury that he had last year against Milwaukee but but that's typical Nick fan typical New York front runner type fan is I'm sick of it this you know this is the city that we live in and right I could say that because I live here and I see it all the time because real quick the Nick fan and I know who the Nick fans are I know who the diehard Nick fans are and a lot of them are diehard but a lot of them stay under the radar you see, that's like me as a Met fan. You know, huh, I'm a Met fan, but I stay quiet and, you know, I don't say much because I'm embarrassed. That. No, I'm still proud to be a Met fan despite the fact that this has been just a flipping joke. But let's face it, this is the reason why I am vociferous. This is the reason why I have a show because guess what? If there ever is a turnaround, if there ever is a time where this team is consistently good and they're making runs for World Series and let's say get to and win a World Series, then I'm going to stand on the top of that mountain and I'm going to gloat. And people will not look at me and say, you know what? This guy's a front runner. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, this guy just woke up and became mad. No, 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 no. Not here, buddy. Take that somewhere else to the pseudo or so-called Met fan who just bought the hot player's jersey or a new hat and jacket. No, 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 no. Not here. 
You have to go back to listen to my first episode because I detailed it all there. No front running, no bandwagon, on, and then zero. Yet none of that. So, but the Nick fan is just typical. It's hot stuff, you know. And in Brooklyn, I know they drafted the uh, that kid from Bosnia. I can't even pronounce his first name. Zanin Musa, I guess his name is. Uh, you know, you kind of see what's going to happen there. But I-, I will say this. The Nets seem to be going in a pretty good direction. I'm not going to say as good as the Knicks. Not get crazy. But the whole Dwight Howard thing, they made that trade. So they get Timothy Mozgov's contract out. And they bring in Dwight Howard, which they're going to buy out. And again, with the stupid NBA nonsense where you got to wait until July 6th until all these deals are consummated and official, et cetera. But if Dwight Howard does buy out, as it all the reports are detailing, that will also be a great move for the Nets to stockpile for next year to have those two max slots that they want. And it doesn't guarantee anything. And I think that Sean Marks, the GM, should just kind of stand pat. Just because he has all this money to spend next summer that he just shouldn't settle for whomever and lock them into big deals, whether they're too old, whether they've had history of injuries, whatever it may be. I understand that's talk for down the road, but they certainly set themselves up nice here. They got rid of that Mozgov contract. Chances are they're officially going to buy out Dwight Howard in the next week or so. And for them, they're going to have another year of growing pains, hopefully another high draft pick. You couple that with the kid Jared Allen that they got last year who certainly produced toward the end of last year. If D'Angelo Russell could ever come around and stay healthy and be the general of the floor, point guard for a Brooklyn team that, let's face it, not to say in the next year or two, but somewhere down the road, who knows? Maybe they'll be lucky enough to bring somebody to New York and say, listen, we know it's not the Garden. We know it's not the Knicks, but it is Brooklyn. It's burgeoning. History, culture, everything. And who knows? Maybe they could get a player or two to buy into that. And next thing you know, Brooklyn will be a place of a destination for a player somewhere down the road. Not saying it's going to happen. Because, you know, that whole Garden Mecca thing, that, that's old news. I'm sorry. People, oh, I want to come to the Garden. I want to play. And listen, the Garden's the Garden. I'm not knocking the Garden by any stretch of imagination. But people want to play in New York. If that was the case, LeBron would have came back here in 2010. If that was the case, a zillion other players would have come to try to win a championship for the Knicks. Uh, certainly that hasn't been the case going back now, you know, 45 years since they last won. So that's pretty much the NBA. And then lastly, let me end it off with the uh, Islanders real quick. I know the draft was on Friday, but again, I couldn't pick these guys out if my life depended on it. And I know the Rangers had three first-round picks. Uh, we'll see how that unfolds as we get uh, closer to uh, September and the start of the regular season in October. But the big news here is John Tavares. And I know people have hit me up on social media saying, Jay Reels, now that Lou Lamorello's in the mix – as I said at the top, is VP of Hockey Ops, and now you have Barry Trotz coming off winning a Stanley Cup in Washington as your head coach. Tavares is a lock, right? Uh, no, until that press conference, until the re- report is official that John Tavares is going to be a New York Islander for life, that's when I'll celebrate. Because despite the fact that 
they bring in these two gentlemen here as GM and coach. And in three years, they're going to have a new building out in Belmont. To me, that doesn't guarantee anything because despite the track records of both Lamorello and Trotz, all right, well, who are we going to bring in? What kind of players? And Tavares now, I believe he's what? He's 27 years old. So he's at the peak of his hockey powers. But guess what? He's not going to get any better than this. So I get that if you're going to give him whatever the deal is from the CBA, you're going to give him seven years, that's going to take him to 34. But chances are, as he gets to the back end of that deal, he's not going to be the player that he was at 23, 24, 25, 26. So I get it that you have to bring him back into the mix. You have to. Because who's going to go watch this team play? And I understand Matthew Barzal is coming off a Rookie of the Year trophy as the Calder winner for the NHL this past year. But again, is he the franchise guy that's going to carry this team to the next decade? Remains to be seen. And a lot of people think he could go to Toronto. There's a chance because his wife's from Toronto. She's a nurse in Toronto. Does that mean he's going to go back home? I don't know. Do I think he's going to stay? I thought before all this that he would stay because Tavares is a guy who doesn't like the spotlight. He's not a guy that you know is going to point to the back of his jersey. It's all about me. You know, hockey players aren't really like that anyway. But he'd just rather stay out of the limelight despite the fact he plays in New York. He just wants to play hockey. He wants to succeed. He wants to, of course, win a Stanley Cup. And that's it. That's all he does. Comes, lace up his skates, puts in two and a half hours, and goes home. Now, I'm sure the Islanders are going to do whatever it takes, and I'm sure they already have. But is that going to be enough? Because this team needs defensemen because their defense is awful. It would be nice if they could get a lot more depth. I mean, they've had some, you know, some definitely they've had players that have been successful putting the puck in the net over the last couple of years, you know, the Anders Lees of the world, you know, Barzal, who's been a, you know, a major surprise. And now it's just a matter of them, whether they need that backline help or even a goalie for that matter, because, you know, you've had to go with Yaroslav Halak, who has been good, but then, you know, you had the other goalie in Grice who's come in and actually he's done a very good job, but, you know, is this going to be a guy that's going to win you a Stanley Cup? No, chances are no. So is that going to be enough for the Islanders to keep Tavares here for the long term when he knows that with him it's not about the money, but it's about maybe going home, being closer to home, closer to family. That, you know what, I put in my time with the Islanders. It's memorable. It's great, but I'm ready to go to the next stage of my life. And maybe he wants to win a Stanley Cup with Toronto. Remember, Toronto hasn't won a cup in over 50 years. And maybe there's something with that to him. Maybe there's something that he wants to go home and Bring that town. Bring that team a Stanley Cup, which they'll start building the statue for him the second after if and when that would ever happen. So I know as an Islander fan, we're certainly, or I'm certainly waiting to see what's going to take place, waiting to see what's going to happen. Me more than LeBron going to L.A. or Kawhi getting traded. To me, it's about John Tavares and and where does he go. Does he stay in the island? for the rest of his career, or does he go to Toronto, or does he go somewhere else and plays out the rest of his career? We'll certainly see how that all shakes down 
in the weeks to come. All right, people, you know where to find me, as I said before, but more importantly, before I even get to all the social media stuff, please subscribe to the program. Uh, Go to Apple Podcasts, also Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. It's very important for you to not only subscribe and download and listen, obviously, but also to share the wealth with everybody else because social media is just not going to cut it by itself. And also, I would need for you to go ahead and post a a review, a rating, uh, give it what you feel. I mean, yes, what I like for you to say, hey, post five stars, say J Reels is funny, J Reels is crazy, J Reels knows the sport, whatever it is, please. Uh, I can't thank you enough and I can't implore you enough to go ahead and do that and it literally takes seconds. You know, it's not like I'm asking you to fill out a questionnaire that's going to take 20 minutes. If that was the case, then I'd be like, you know what, guys? Uh, I'll go to your home and I'll help you do that. No, you just go on your phone, especially on your iPhone, hit podcast, type in the J-Rails podcast, hit subscribe, and that's it. No, I can't say that's it because then I want you to scroll down and it'll say post a review, a rating, and please do that. You do that, not only will you get these podcasts an hour after they uh, are posted on my website at of course www.jreels.com but you'll get all the latest in reference to the uh, podcast right up and up on your phone uh, same thing with Google Play same thing with Spreaker all that as long as you subscribe the Jreels podcast it'll pop up on your uh, feed it'll go through your phone and next thing you know you may be listening to music and you have a notification and it'll say hey the Jreels podcast episode 20 episode 30 episode 50 whatever it may be you'll see it so I would uh, greatly appreciate it if you do so if you haven't done so already. Again, the social media sites are J Reels on Instagram, the J Reels Podcast on Facebook, J Reels One on Twitter. Uh, to bring you all the latest with the program, any future guests, things of that nature. Also, any emails you want to send a question, comment, criticism, praise, whatever it may be, go to the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com if you want to do that. Or of course you can just reach out to me on social media as well. If uh, you have an idea, if you have a thought, whatever it is, please feel free to reach out as I will certainly follow up with you guys soon thereafter. As we get into now, I don't want to get depressed, but as we get into the last week of June and into July with July 4th, just nine days away. And then to me, when I think about July 4th, of course, you think about the independence of this country. uh, You think about fireworks. You think about, of course, barbecues, the beaches, all that. But, geez, when I think of July 4th, I just think about how fast summer is already going. And we all know summertime is my time of year. So guess what, people? Enjoy it. Live it up. Have fun. Watch sports. Spend time with your friends, family, loved ones, etc., And enjoy life to the fullest. And, of course, until the next time. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until this time next week, the J-Rose Podcast on the Flip Baby.